Y'all can take a seat. Uh, good morning. Clearly, I'm not Jacob. Um, uh, Jacob is preparing for the, the birth of his new baby soon. Um, and um, uh, I am the youth pastor here at uh, our Anderson campus. That's my boy! That's my boy! Pipe down, pipe down. Um, there's some youth leaders up front. Um, but uh, again, my name is Thomas. Uh, more importantly than all that stuff, uh, I am married to Emily. Uh, we've been married for four years, and we were actually expecting our first child in April uh, as well. Uh, and so uh, it is a busy time in our lives as, as well. And people keep telling us like creepy things like, enjoy the sleep now while you can. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know. Like, what's coming? Uh, and so we are so excited for that. Uh, but I'm so grateful to be uh, with you guys this morning, and I hope you are doing well. Um, I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. Um, and it should be on the show. There it is. Have you ever ended up where you do not want to be? Have you ever ended up where you do not want to be? You went somewhere and you're like, I'm going to, then this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go. And then you get there and you're like, this is not where I want to be. What am I doing here? Right? Maybe you picked mechanical engineering as your major. And at the end of the first semester, you're like, this is not where I want to be. Like I'm sitting in my dorm, looking out the window at people playing Frisbee outside. And I'm just like, crying slowly, like, where am I, right? Or, uh, or maybe you, uh, this semester, you're, maybe you're, like, you're slow or whatever, and then you joined a bunch of organizations in the spring semester, and now you look at your week, and you're like, I have a meeting on Monday, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night, and, and someone asks you to hang out, and you're like, I think November might be open, but I am not sure, um, right? And you're like, how did I get here? I'm so busy, uh, for me, uh, one of the things that comes to mind uh, is the time that I accidentally ended up at a Wiz Khalifa concert. Uh, and you heard me correctly, I accidentally uh, attended a Wiz Khalifa concert. Uh, me and my wife were living in Dallas, and we had a friend who worked for a ticket company, and she was like, hey, can you come help? You can just pass out some coupons at the end, you get a free concert. And we were like, free concert? Yeah, like, let's do that. And we show up, and you know, there's some bands playing, and then we're just sitting in the back, uh, and Wiz Khalifa takes the stage, and I'm like, I'm a youth pastor, I feel weird, my wife's a first grade teacher, sketchy, okay, he's talking about weed now, okay, what are we doing? Uh, and my wife, bless her heart, like, she actually brought uh, some of her first grade, like, cutout stuff, uh, and so she was, you know, helping her prepare for the next day. So me and my wife are sitting on like on the grass in the back of a Wiz Khalifa concert, cutting out pictures and things for first graders. And I just thought to myself, where am I right now? Right? Sometimes we end up where we do not want to be. Uh, and, and I say all that because when it comes to our spirituality and it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we have so many good intentions and so much excitement and so many things that we want to see happen. And then we get into the middle of the semester, you're right? It's middle of February and you're like, where, where was all, where, where am I? How did I get here? Right? How did I get to this place? Right? You know, I came to college, I joined that organization, I, I, I started going to Breakaway, I started going to the college service, uh, I, I started doing all these things, but yet the fullness of life that Jesus promises just seems to be so distant from me, right? Like the book of Philippians, Paul says, man, don't be anxious, pray about everything. And then later he says, man, and the peace of Christ will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, and you're like, I've been praying, I've been going, but I, don't, I still feel anxious. I mean, I'm still stressed out, right? Or you read, like in the book of Matthew, when Jesus says, come all who are heavy 
and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so many of us in this room today, we say, that, that's not my experience. I'm just busy. I'm just going to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. I'm just doing all of these different things, and I'm not experiencing that. Right? I want this fullness of life and fullness of joy and, and, and this excitement about life, but I just don't feel that. So what's going on? And, and I want to reshape this question a little bit. How do I end up where Jesus wants me to be? How do I end up where Jesus wants me to be? Right? As a believer, and whether you're a believer or not, you showed up here for a reason. And you said, man, I want to I wanna know something a little bit more about God. I don't know. Maybe I just came because I want some advice or whatever. But at the end of the day, the question we should be asking is, how do I end up where I'm supposed to be? And we believe that Jesus offers us fullness of life. How do we end up there? Right? How do we end up in a place where we're free from anxiety, fear, condemnation? Right? We walk in that freedom, and we're full of joy, life, love, generosity, making an impact on the lives of those who are around us. How do we end up there? And what we have to realize today is that none of that will accidentally happen, right? You don't just stumble into that, right? We are at war as believers. And so this fullness of life, ending up where Jesus wants us, will not happen by accident. We have to fight we have to push forward. We have to claw. We have to run. And so the question I want to answer today is, how do I end up where Jesus wants me to be? And I'm going to answer that question by asking three questions this morning. The first one is this. Am I sure about Jesus? So if you would, go to your Bible, uh, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. So if I want to end up where Jesus wants me to be, I got to ask this question to myself first. Am I absolutely sure about who Jesus is? We're going to John chapter 6, starting in verse uh, 66. Some people see John 6, 66, and like 666, oh no. Uh, it's okay. The verses came later after it was written. We're all fine. Um, some context here. Jesus has fed the 5,000. And then, to top that, he walks on water. That's where we are in the story. And then Jesus begins to make some very crystal clear claims about himself. He begins to say, okay, that bread I gave you, he goes, I'm the bread of life. If you want full satisfaction and joy, he goes, he says something weird. He goes, I want you to eat my flesh and I want you to drink my blood. And the disciples are like, Jesus, bad evangelism tactic, not good. Like, don't start, don't lead with that. And in, in fact, maybe you should just hang at the back, right? The disciples are like, Jesus, what does that mean? And he says, no, I'm trying to make this point. He goes, I am at the center of life. If you want to know fullness of life, he says, I want you to know me, sit with me, walk with me. And so here we are in John chapter 6 starting in verse 66, and it says this. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So I want to highlight this. From this time, many of the disciples turned back. So when we say the word disciple here, this is not just talking about the 12. There's large crowds that have been following Jesus, right? Jesus is gaining momentum in his ministry, so much so that when the scriptures talk about his ministry, Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to get into this boat. I'm going to sail over to the other side of this big sea. People are running around the perimeters of that sea to meet him on the other side. And he's like, didn't I just see you like over there? Right? People are just, just coming after him. And so the word disciple here just is referring to this bigger group, not just the 12. And Jesus begins to make these claims about himself. He goes, I'm the center of this. I'm not just someone who's a good teacher. I'm not just someone who does miracles. I'm not just someone who gives good life advice. He says, he goes, if you want fullness of life, you need me. You need to sit at my feet. You need to walk with me. And it says, at that, many of the disciples turned back. What happened? Why did, they, why did these disciples who came with such hope end up somewhere where they didn't want to be? I think we learn in the second part here. It says, you have the words of life. This is the 12 disciples' response, right? They say, you have the words of life, Jesus. You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The disciples had this crystal clear picture of who Jesus is. And they said, that's who we're following. And so we're going to follow you. And so the question that I have for you is, are you sure about who Jesus is? Are you sure about him? And, and to illustrate the importance of this, I have a video I want to show you guys. Hey, I'm Andrew Hales, and today at UVU we are going to do some awkward handshakes, fist pumps, etc. Yeah, this is uh, right through those doors. And then, Over there. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks, man. <laughs> you know where the library is? It's over there? Alright, thanks. Library? Yeah. Just go straight and then right. Alright, awesome. Thanks, man. Where it is? Yes. It's right out this way. Awesome, thank you. Oh, 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 nice. <laughs> right? For some of us, uh, we end up in that situation not because we're trying to make a video, but because just like awkwardness follows us, right? That is some of us, right? And, and maybe you have trouble remembering people's names, and so you're like, oh, this is awkward, right? And you try to do that thing where you bring someone with you, and you're like, you introduce yourself, and then you say your name, and then they'll say their name back, and then I'll find it out, and then I'll pretend like I knew it the whole time, and we'll be on the same page, right? Uh, if anyone, if any of the guys in the room, if they ever say like, hey, what's up, man? That, like 99%, that means they don't know what your real name is. Uh, and, and we get into these weird situations, right? And, and we fumble over ourselves uh, and you say, why are you talking about this? Why are you showing this? Because when we seek to take action without intimacy, it leads to this awkwardness. And, and for so many of us, what's the importance of walking with Jesus and knowing him and, and having intimacy with him? It, it, is, it is because when we try to act on behalf of Jesus and do things for Jesus and do things in the name of Jesus without that intimacy with him, it leads to this awkwardness, this tiredness, this lack of rest. We have to have this crystal clear picture of who Jesus is in our minds. Are you sure about Jesus? 
And so for many of us, I think our view of Jesus is shaped by what happens to come to us, right? We're very passive, right? It's, okay, I, I attend church a little bit, and, and I heard some things at a small group, and I listened to a podcast, and then, and then I heard some things on TV, and we kind of like shape this view of Jesus in our minds, and some of it is true, and some of it's maybe not, but a lot of times it's, it's incomplete, right? And when I, when I look at that passage in, in John and the disciples who turned away, it was because of one of two things. They either had a wrong view of Jesus or an incomplete view of Jesus. Is that you today? Do you fail to view Jesus as more than just a teacher, a guy who had good advice, or a guy who did miracles? Or do you see him as the Son of God, the one who came to save all of humanity from their sins? The one who has power over death, who defeated Satan at the cross. Do you see him that way? As Lord of your life, right? And some of us are, just have an incomplete view of Jesus, right? We've, we have placed our faith in him, but then we, we just kind of see him as this guy who saves us from our sins, and we don't see him as, as how Jesus presented himself in John chapter 15 when he told his disciples, abide in me and I will abide in you. If you want to bear fruit, continually come to me. Do you see Jesus as the source of life continuously? Um, there's a study that was done just to hit this point home. I heard this at a conference uh, a few weekends ago. Um, but it was a study done by the Center for Bible Engagement. And they were studying, does reading the Bible make an impact on someone's life or not? You're like, that's a weird study. Oh my goodness, right? Does that make a difference or not? Uh, and what they found was, I thought, very interesting. They, they, they called it the power of four. And they said, statistically speaking, people who do one, two, and three uh, you know, devotionals, whatever you call time in scripture per week, which means listening to it, reading it, studying it, their lives are statistically no different than non-believers who only spend, engage the word one, two, or three times a week, right? And that's, by statistically, uh, it's, it was not different. They mean like in terms of loneliness, in terms of ability to share their faith, in terms of confidence, in terms of pornography usage, there was statistically no difference between believers who are spending time in the scriptures one, two, and three times a week and non-believers. But then they said there was a tipping point when you got to four. When someone was spending four times a week in scripture, five times a week, six times a week, seven times a week, it says something happened and there was just statistically, it began to just exponentially go off the charts uh, and there was life change that was clearly visible in people who were studying the scriptures that often. So for those who, who study the scriptures four times or more per week, they were 228% more likely to share their faith with someone else. And they were 400% more likely to memorize scripture and 59% less likely to view pornography. And so what does all that mean? Those are some statistics that came out, but they, they, they just reveal what the scriptures have always taught about themselves. We know Jesus through studying his word. If I want a complete, full view of Jesus, I need to be devoted to spending time in scripture, right? Some of us are passive in our ability to see and know Jesus. We just take what comes with us, to, to us, and we need to be active, 
right? This is, this is the season of engagement, right? Love is in the air. Uh, some of you seniors who are in here right now, you're like planning your engagement out or you're thinking about that. And there was a point in your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend where you went from passive to active, right? You, you, you didn't just say, well, if we happen to cross paths, you just happened to show up at Sabisa at the same time that she was going to be there, right? And you're like, oh, you have this class too? That's so weird. Oh, you study at Lupa's? Weird. Like, you, right? You started showing up and you're like, I just want to cross paths and I'm going to be active in my pursuit of you. And we have to do that same thing with Jesus. We got to switch from being passive to active. And so we study the word. Uh, I want to read this to you. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, because I think in these five, six verses, we see a crystal clear picture of who Jesus is. And it says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him uh, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. If we want to know Jesus, we spend time in his word. That's how he has revealed himself. Have you made that commitment to say, okay, I'm not just going to say I'm too busy. I'm, going to make, I'm just going to run after that. Man, in just this few verses, we see that Jesus is the perfect reflection of God. He was there before anything was created. He is the creator of all things, and everything on earth is created to point back to him. Everything on earth is held together by Jesus. He's the head of the church. He's the reason dead people can be made alive again. He is the fullness of God revealed to us, and in Jesus, we can be made new. In him, there's peace, and in Jesus, we are brought near to God. Is that how you view Jesus? Or do you have an incomplete view of him? And so if I want to end up where Jesus wants me to be, I got to be sure about him. I got to be sure about him. Second question I want to ask us today, is my stuff getting in the way? And so we're going to be all over the Bible today. Um, so I want you to go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. And we're going to read this passage. Uh, this is Jesus visiting the home of Mary and Martha. This is not Mary, Jesus' mom. This is another Mary. Mary and Martha are sisters. And Jesus is visiting their home, and they are preparing. Like, he walks in the door, and they're preparing for him to come. Uh, and I love uh, just this passage right here. It says, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So what is Jesus doing here? He walks into their house, 
right? And Martha's like, oh, the Lord is here, right? Like, I got to prepare a meal. I got I to gotta clean the house. I got to get all this stuff ready. I got to, man, I, Jesus, I want you to taste this good food. I'm going to do this thing for you. I'm going to prepare this. I'm going to set out the nice silverware or whatever she's doing, right? And what does Mary do? Mary's just sitting with Jesus. That's all she's doing. She's just sitting at his feet. And what the world would call laziness or a waste Jesus looks at Mary and he says, Mary, you have chosen the good portion. Martha's anxious and she's troubled about all these different things. But what Mary has chosen, that's the right thing. And so for some of us, our stuff is getting in the way of our ability to see and walk with Jesus clearly and effectively. Right? We're like, I'm going to do this for Jesus. I'm going to join that organization. I'm going to be a part. I'm going to be an impact counselor. And then I'm going to volunteer breakaway. And then I'm going to be a youth leader. And then I'm going to do all this. And then and we get to the end of the week, and there's no time for us just to sit at the feet of Jesus. Is your stuff getting in the way? Because the fact is, man, we cannot follow Jesus when we have all this other stuff crowding and fighting for our attention. Jesus wants all of our attention, not just some of it. I want to give this example. Uh, I want to introduce you to someone. Uh, this is me. Um, as a junior high kid, um, maybe fifth grade, not sure, um, right? The Lord's sovereign. I was already wearing a Texas A&M shirt, um, so yes. Um, and I was actually not even, I had never even lived in Texas at this point. I was living in Illinois, so like super sovereign, uh, right? Uh, A&M to the ends of the earth, I guess, um, which is heresy, I guess. But uh, he, I, I, this is me as a junior high student, and uh, what I found out, uh, my, my, uh, we found out that our family was taking a trip to Hawaii. Uh, and I was like, oh man, that's awesome. And I don't know if you've ever been to Hawaii or if you've ever like even seen a picture of Hawaii. It is one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. Somehow it is always like 73 and a half degrees there and perfect and sunny. And like the sunsets are gorgeous, right? And, the, and there's volcanoes there and you can, you can climb to the top of these volcanoes. You can see the sunrise uh, and it's just this beautiful place. Uh, th- there's uh, a lot of, uh, like, there's a dole plantation, like, the, like who do, do, like, the bananas and all that stuff. They, they, they grow it there because the, the ground is so good for it. Uh, and so when you eat fresh fruit there, it is so fresh because it hasn't had to be shipped or anything like that. It's this, like, amazing place. And I found out I was going, and I was like, yes, here we go, Hawaii. Um, but here's another thing about Junior high Thomas, fifth grade Thomas, um, I was obsessed with Pokemon, right? Like, absolutely obsessed. Like, obsessed to the point where um, I actually filled a binder with about 600 uh, Pokemon cards that I collected. I didn't have a job. I don't know where this money came from, but, like, I somehow was able to, I, I spent, like, I was trying to add up. I was like, if I have 600 Pokemon cards, like, how many packets was that that I bought um, on top of all the video games and all that stuff? And I was like, this is depressing. Like, I, I spent thousands of dollars. Like, somehow, as a junior high student, never had a job again. And I'm like, thank you, mom and dad. Um, and I just look at that, and, and uh, I, I was super into video games. I had Pokemon Blue version, and I had logged seven days of gameplay into the game. Like, literally, like, 126 hours of gameplay, which I'm like, how, what? Like, what? How, would I, how did I even pass school? Like, what was going on? Uh, and 
all, that was, man, I was all about that. I, at one point, this is probably too much, at one point I actually entered into a Pokemon tournament at a mall uh, and competed, got defeated in the first round though. Um, I was in fifth grade, so back down. Uh, and, and, and I, that, that was all, like that's, and, and so that was Junior High Thomas. So here's the question. Do you know what I remember about that trip to Hawaii that I took with my family? Absolutely nothing. My head was down in my Game Boy, playing my game, logging in my hours. I was thinking about video games and Pokemon, and I was fixated on the stuff in front of me. So much so that I missed out on the massive beauty that was around me. I missed out. I was so consumed with my stuff that I just failed to look up and see the billions of things, beautiful things that God had set in front of me. And so the question is, is that you this morning, right? Has your stuff gotten in the way? Is there something that's crowding out your attention? And real quick, I want to talk about our stuff a little bit, because I think our stuff can do one of three things in our life. Uh, One, I think it can just be a simple distraction, right? If you find yourself saying, I'm too busy, or there's just not enough time for that, right? I I say, hey, read, I want you to read the scriptures every day. I want you to be in the scriptures. I want you to pray. I want you to, I I want you just to spend time with Jesus. You're like, who has time for that, right? That might be a symptom that your stuff is a distraction, right? I, uh, or maybe it's just like, I don't feel like it right now. Um, And I think a helpful way to help detect this, man, is what are the assumptions that you're making in your life, right? Are you assuming that, of course, this thing's going to be a part of my life. Of course, I'm going to be a part of that fraternity, that sorority. Of course, I'm going to be a part of impact. Or, of course, I'm going to be part of these things. And then I'll ask the rest, and I'll I'll set my schedule, and then the rest of that time, Jesus can figure out how I use that. Or are you going before him with all of your stuff and saying, Jesus, how do you want to use what you have given me this semester? Is your stuff a distraction. If your stuff is stealing your ability to love others well, it is a distraction and you are not using it the way that God intended it. But there's another way that our stuff can impact us. Our stuff can actually be destructive on our lives, right? When we find ourselves saying, man, I believe these lies about God. I believe these lies about myself, right? Or there's just things that I'm trying to hide from other people, that might be a symptom that your stuff has become destructive, right? And so when our stuff becomes destructive, it leads to compensation, right? We want to use our stuff to fill something that's not being satisfied. So we overeat or we undereat, right? We starve ourselves or we uplift our self-image so much that we compromise our character. We compromise the way we talk about people. We say, I want to look good. I want to look good before other people right? And our stuff is not just the things we own. It's our time. It's the things we do have, and it's the experiences we get. It's the opportunities we have in front of us. Or maybe it's just patterns of gossip and selfishness that have seeped in, right? And you're just, man, I, that, that feels good to do that because I, I want to strike someone else down so I can look better. Or maybe it's a relationship that has gotten so overly physical that it's crowded out your ability to hear from the Lord, right? You have pushed aside God's boundaries for sex, for marriage. You said, no, I'm going to do it my way. And that thing has become what your attention is focused on. Or for many of us in this room, it's simply the sin of pornography that we are harboring for ourselves. And it is 
the fullness of life is being offered to us. And we're choosing to set our mind on something so small, something so destructive, that we're missing out on the beauty around us. Is that you this morning? If there's things that you're, if there's things uh, that you are trying to hide from other people, your stuff may be destructive. Because what happens is your your attention and your focus, all your vitality, gets consumed with guilt, shame, anxiety, and hiding. And you lose the ability to look up and see the people around you. And you say, no, 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 I can do that. I can do that. The scriptures would disagree with you. Look at what 1 John says. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. And so what is he saying here? I think it's this. He goes, if you want to see the love of God manifest in the world, if you want to be the type of person that walks into the room and you can lay down the kingdom of God there, and so people... People just catch a glimpse of what Jesus is like just because they're with you. If, if you want to be that type of person, John's saying here, he says, man, you can't love the world. If you want to be someone who loves people, if you want to have that love of the Father and display that to other people, he goes, you have to lay down the things of this world because you can't have both. The book of Galatians will say it this way, the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. If you are walking in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of your sinful nature because they're opposites. If you are walking in the Spirit, it's impossible to sin. So our stuff can be destructive. But then the last thing is this. Our stuff can be devoted. And I just want to stay here uh, real quickly. Um, Our stuff can be used and leveraged. How are you using your stuff, your time, your energy? You can leverage that so that you end up where Jesus wants you to be. Man, the time in your schedules, maybe it's just opening up a lunch, one lunch a week, and you say, man, there's someone in my class, and I'm just going to invite them to lunch. And I'm not going to be like, can I, you know, you don't have to be overt and be like, I'm going to share Jesus with them, and like, it's going to be crazy. But like, you just say, hey, can I, can I invite you to lunch? I just want to hear about your life. Can I tell you about some of the things that I think are important too? And just creating that, that space within your schedule to meet the needs of the people around you. Some of us, are so distracted and our stuff has become so destructive and we need to repent of that and say, God, no, instead of me saying, here's the stuff I'm going to hold on to and then then you can have the rest, I'm going to say, God, you can have it all. How do you want me to use that this year? So I know it's a lot. It's heavy, right? Maybe you need to give the person next to you a hug. I have some pictures of kittens here. (laughs) Breathe. Um, It's going to be okay. Um, I have one more question for us. Uh, and it's this, am I alone? Uh, and, and we're going to be in Matthew 18. And this will be uh, the last point I have. Matthew 18. I want to read this for you. Starting in verse 18. And it's, uh, again, the context here, Jesus is talking to his disciples about how do you, when sin comes up in the church, how do you deal with it? Right, and this, a lot of us know this passage because uh, it's like, okay, go to them privately and then bring a friend and then bring more friends and then, and then bring uh, them before the church. And, and if they still don't respond, it says actually ban them from the community in the hope that they would repent and be restored, right? And, and so in the midst of that, Matthew 18, verse 18 says, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them. 
by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And so I want to highlight that at the, at the end. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And why do I highlight this? Why are we talk, like, are confronting people in sin? That's not really what I want to talk about. But I love this promise that, that God makes in the scriptures to us. And he says, man, when the people of God come together, and they're seeking holiness together, and they're praying together, and they're asking things, he says, Jesus will meet them in that spot. When they have that kind of community, Jesus meets them there. Uh, and that's an incredible thing. And what it tells us is, man, Christianity, all this stuff is not meant to be carried out alone. We're not supposed to do it on our, by ourselves, on our own. He says, seek the people who are around you. Right? John 13, 35 says this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And I, I love that because he didn't say by your devotion or by like the way you went off by yourself or the way that you like ran, like whatever. Like the, the, you, he says it's, the p- way people are going to identify you is by watching you as a group of believers talk to each other, interact with each other, pray with one another. He says people are going to see that and that's going to be the distinctive. People are going to see the sacrifice you have for one another and that type of community, right? The kind where you seek forgiveness, where you have a place to confess sin, where you have a place where you study the word together and people will look at your life and they'll say, hey, are you, are you spending time in the scripture? Hey, tell me how you're doing in this area. We talked about that last week, right? And you have this encouragement, this body around you. And what I'm thinking in here, so many of you, you know the command to have community, I don't think that's the hurdle. I don't think the hurdle is, okay, oh yeah, I thought I was supposed to do it alone. I hate people. And okay, now I get it. But I think the hurdle is not so much, oh, I know I need to have community. It is, man, I've tried the community and it didn't work, right? I joined the Bible study. I joined that organization. I had that crew, but then there wasn't a lot of life there. And you say, what's happening? And I have an illustration to help show this. I heard this from a guy named Dave Rhodes. Uh, who's a preacher, and, and I, I want to show you this. Uh, this is Dr. Pepper. So, uh, yes, you guys already know that. Uh, and my family loves Dr. Pepper growing up. We always had it. Uh, and my mom, in fact, like grew up drinking Dr. Pepper for breakfast. Like that's, she's like purebred Texan there. Uh, and, and so she really enjoyed it. But I would go to other friends' house or sometimes go to a different restaurant or uh, sometimes we were trying to save money or something. And my mom would come home with one of these bad boys and I was like, Dr. Thunder, who, who is that? Like, get out. Like, and, then, and then sometimes Dr. B, and you're like, I don't know. Like, I don't want that. Or this one, which I've never had, but I found it. It's Dr. Shasta, which the slogan is spice it up. And, and I think to myself, I don't want to spice it up. I want Dr. Pepper. Uh, and then there's other people who are like, oh, well, there's some that are close, right? You go to Cinemark, and they're like, we got Pib Extra. Um, right? And you're like, it's kind of, of, but it's really not. Uh, There's nothing that's like Dr. Pepper, right? When you taste it, when you experience it, you're just, man, that's good, right? You're like, Chick-fil-A sandwich and Dr. Pepper, boom, like, worship is happening here. And uh, when it comes to community and walking in community, I think that's some of our experience. Like, we've tried these off-brand things or, or these shadows of what community could be, and then we say, man, it doesn't work, whatever. I don't have that community, And some of us, uh, what we need to do is persevere and push on and seek out the real thing. Uh, I love what the book of Romans says. 
This is, I think this sums up community. What, what is community? What does it mean to have that kind of community? I think it's this, Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Uh, and if you find yourself in here and you're like, I have never experienced that kind of community, or I don't know, I don't even know where to start. Um, I would say this, man, if you're in a place or if you're in a small group already, and you're like, man, they're, they're not, it's not, it's not what I would hope it would be. Change doesn't begin by you saying, okay, I'm going to leave until I find that community, or I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go find some mature believers like myself who can manifest that kind of community. What God is asking, I think, is for you to be the initiator and you to be the one who says, okay, I'm going to be the one who's devoted to these people in love. Maybe I don't always get it back, and maybe you're in a small group or a Bible study that's like 20 people, right? And maybe only three of them respond and, and it feel the same way. But what happens is as you are devoted to one another in love, you will find those other people and you will link arms with them and you will walk with them, right? And if you're still saying like, I don't even know where to find that, I'm not a part of a group, talk to someone. There's, a, there's literally groups that meet on almost every night of the week uh, that are college groups. Find that. And if you show up, you're like, well, it's not really, where's the fullness of, what, what do I do? Be that type of person. Ask for it. Talk to your leader about that. Seek it out. It is, like I said, it is not something that happens naturally. It is something that is so countercultural. And so the question is, am I alone? And so I uh, wrap up uh, today talking about those three questions again. When you think about, man, have I ended up in a spot where I don't want to be, where I'm not really experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus talks about in the scriptures? I think some questions we can ask ourselves is, man, is my view of Jesus correct? Do I see him as the scriptures present him? And if I've placed my faith in Jesus, man, do I need to cultivate that, that view of him? Have, have I just put up with a shallow view of Jesus for so long, right? Or is my stuff getting in the way? Are there some things, maybe they popped into your mind instantly, uh, or maybe you just need to take some time this afternoon, just to say, man, okay, before I study, before I'm doing anything else, I'm just going to sit, I'm going to think for 10 minutes and reflect and say, God, reveal to me, is there anything in the way that's distracting me, that's destroying me? Teach me how to, how to treat my stuff as devoted to you. Or the last question is, are you alone? Um, and, and I want to end by reading this verse. We read it at the beginning, Hebrews 2. And, and we read that not just to be random, uh, but it's because all of this stuff Jesus looks at it. He looks at us in the midst of that struggle. Like I said, this is hard to play out. And I love what the book of Hebrews says because the, the author of Hebrews is saying, this is why Jesus is better. This is why he's greater than Moses. He's greater than the angels. Here's all the ways that he's better. Uh, and in Hebrews chapter two, he says this. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things relating to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Uh, and again, I want to read that again. This is that last part. For since he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. So if you feel like that's hard, man, Jesus, I don't have the right view. Man, there's stuff that has crowded out just my, my, my passion for you. Or man, I do feel alone. Jesus looks at that and he says, he doesn't say, oh man, I'm mad about that, I'm angry. Jesus says, I know exactly what that feels like. I know what it's like to be alone. I know what it's like to be betrayed. 
And he looks at us, and let me read this one more time. For since he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. And so Jesus looks at us and he says, I want to help. Meet with me. Set your mind, set your affection on me today. Just spend some time with me. You don't have to do things for me. You don't have to to come and say the right words. I just want you to sit in my presence. And so uh, as the band uh, plays this last song, I pray that you would do that and you would ask yourself those three questions. So if you would, bow your head. Let's pray. Father, we just give you our lives. God, this is something that is hard to do. God, and as believers... God, we want to we go where Jesus wants us. And so, God, help us to set our mind on your son, Jesus. God, fully form our, our viewpoint of him. God, as Paul's prays for the Ephesians uh, in chapter 1, verse 7, and he says, I just pray that you would know him. And so, Father, we just ask that. Help us to know him. God, help reveal to us the things that are so temporary the things that are distracting us from the beauty that's around us. And God, provide for us the privilege of community, the real thing, not a substitute. And so God, we ask all this in the name of Jesus.